It's not going to take over your job. It's not going to teach students for you. And you don't want it to do that. But it's going to be like the best teacher's aid you've ever had. And it's not going to be perfect, just like no teacher in training is going to be perfect. But it's going to give you a lot of output and it's going to give you a lot to work from. Hi, listeners. That was our guest for today, Jeff, talking about... Let's see if they can guess. Okay, listeners, guess. (laughs) I mean, it's in the episode title, but (laughs) anyway. Okay, well, if you guessed artificial intelligence, you were right. Yes, we're finally talking about generative AI. It's been the talk Mm -hmm. of the teaching world for a while now, ever since ChatGPT took us by storm just about a year ago, almost. Oh my gosh, a year already. Yep. And we haven't been ignoring it per se, just, you know, stewing and brewing and ruminating on it, gathering as much information as we can. Podcasts, webinars, conferences, you name it. We even participated in the 2023 Ellicon conference in September on the topic of humanity and technology in ELT, striking a balance in the age of AI. It was such a great conference. It was, it was. And it's about time, Mana, that yeah. we did an episode on generative AI. Yeah, so today we're starting with a discussion of one specific specific type of AI, large language models or LLMs. In particular, we're zooming in on the one, the only ChatGPT. Hello and welcome to the Teacher Think Aloud podcast, a podcast for reflective practice for teachers of English around the world. I'm your co-host Shay. And I'm Anna. Let's get to know Jeff. So my name is Jeff McElbena, he, him, his, and I'm currently the Associate Academic Director for the English Language Institute at Pace University here in New York City. Jeff caught our eye for this episode on AI because of a webinar he led on the topic for English USA, and also because we had both had the chance to swap ideas with him on using AI over the past year. And it's kind of funny, you know, the icebreaker question we threw him really gave us a sense of his interest in more technical subjects. The question for you today is, if you could teach any subject other than English, what would it be and why? Well, I actually just finished my MBA in business analytics, and I actually really love data sets. So I would love mm. to actually create a course for higher proficiency English learners that teaches both content about data analysis and the tools involved there, but also brings in English language concepts. Well, I'm not still teaching English. Yeah, you know, exactly. Whatever. I don't know if you should accept that answer. <laughs> now, before we dive into ChatGPT, it's important to note that, as we all know, generative AI is a quickly ever-evolving topic. Mm-hmm. And there have been actually some key updates since we recorded this interview with Jeff. Namely, ChatGPT can talk now (laughs) (laughs) spooky yeah and quite impressive really right 
So given this ever-changing nature, we're planning to come back to this topic repeatedly in the next year, revisiting it from different perspectives. And the perspective we're looking for at the moment is how all of you teachers have been using AI, whether ChatGPT, other LLMs, or different types of AI, not just language-based. You may remember our 2023 Friends of the Podcast episode, in which we integrated the voices of our listeners from around the world. Well, for our 2024 Friends of the Podcast episode, we're focusing on AI in English language teaching. Mm. We want to know how you've been using AI tools in your classrooms. To be featured on the episode, all you need to do is answer a few questions in a voice memo and send it to us. Easy peasy. Mm. Tell us your name, pronouns, and country. What's your teaching context? What's your role? Who are your students? Have you used AI? If not, why not? What's your hesitation? If yes... What have been your favorite one or two tools so far? What are the pros and cons? And describe an activity you've tried in your classroom using this or these tools. How did it go for you? What tips do you have for implementing it? Reflect on these questions, record yourself answering them, and send us your audio file via email at teacherthinkaloud at gmail.com or record directly via WhatsApp at bit.ly slash pod underscore friends. You can find the list of questions and instructions in the show notes and on our social media pages on Instagram, Facebook, and X. We can't wait to hear all about your innovative ideas. Now back to Jeff. Well, Jeff, tell us a bit about your journey in using AI. Why did you decide to start using it? What was the learning curve like for you? So when I first started using AI, it was when it was released publicly. ChatGPT was the first really popular public release. And at first I I used it and I didn't find it very useful. It was because Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people do this. They go on and they use it like a search engine. If it's something that you can really just search the web for, there's no point in using it. But the problem is I think a lot of people use it for that at first and they think, oh, this Mm -hmm. isn't any good. It keeps telling me my cutoff is September 2021. Mm -hmm. But after that, I started playing around and somebody suggested asking it to write things in different styles. To Mm -hmm. take something you've written and say, write this in the style of Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. Or write this as a poem in the style of Walt Whitman. So once I did that, I was pretty impressed with what I was getting back. And that's when I started asking it more specific questions having to do with teaching and learning, Mm -hmm. particularly with curriculum. Then once I started putting in curriculum details and asking Mm -hmm. it for that, then I started to see how powerful it really was. Mm -hmm. For example, we recently did a customer service class. I'm not an expert at customer service at all, Mm -hmm. but I went into ChatGPT and I said, here's the description of the course. Here are the learners involved. Can you give me some outcomes for the course? Mm -hmm. And then I said, can you give me a breakdown of the course? For example, like hour by hour, what we might teach. Mm -hmm. And it's not perfect what it gives you back, Mm -hmm. but that was the first time I I was really kind of amazed by how quickly it did it. Mm -hmm. This is something that would take me days to do on my own Mm -hmm. for, you know, Mm -hmm. a class that I don't know a lot about. 
Mm-hmm. I think that gap in there is where a lot of people fall off. Mm-hmm. They think totally. this isn't useful to me. Like mm-hmm. this is fun. I love having it write a poem about my vacation or something. But if they just stick with it, like anything, the more they use it, the more they're going to get out of it, and the better mm-hmm. they will be mm-hmm. at prompting it to get yeah. what they want. And there's a learning curve, like any other skill we develop as educators, right? There is this process. You just can't give up, right?、Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. the same process as learning anything. The output is just mind-boggling how much it can do and how much you can produce in literally a matter of minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so I think you're sort of you're already kind of talking about our next question,、mm-hmm. which is what are the benefits of using AI? I mean, you're sort of presenting it as just an aid, support, or even a shortcut in certain senses for getting from point A to point B. If you know how to use it correctly, it gets you from. I have to create this curriculum too. Oh, I have like a bunch of ideas and a foundation and something I can edit into a curriculum pretty quickly if you know how to use、mm-hmm. it. So, could you tell us a little more about what some of the benefits of using AI in English language education specifically might be? Sure, I would say first the way I think of AI in this context is I think of it like an intern. I have a teaching aid,、mm-hmm. and that teaching aid does that first big step for me. It gets a lot of information, it generates ideas, it compiles information, things like that. So often, at least for me, I'm a procrastinator, just like a lot of us are.、Mm-hmm. And once I have something to work from, I'm much more motivated. <laughs> you know, I'm like,、mm-hmm. oh, good, yeah. Now I have this. Now I can、Starting、work it.、Artist. I can massage it.、Mm-hmm. Exactly.、Mm-hmm. Exactly. Sort of does the grunt work. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. That first big、yeah. step. But、mm-hmm. then, what's great about it is, let's say you have a lesson that you're teaching in anything. It doesn't have to be English, of course. Once you have even a learning objective, or you have a topic that you're introducing to people, you can keep focusing in more and more on whatever it is you want. So, let's say I'm teaching this concept and I have the objective, and from there I want an activity. Well, I can ask it to create an interactive activity based on this learning objective, and if I don't like what it gives me, all I have to do is click one button. It says regenerate response, and I can click、mm-hmm. that a、mm. hundred times if I want to, and it will come up with a different activity. Now it, it'll start to repeat. To, to be clear,、mm-hmm. if you do it a hundred、yeah. times, but you can usually get three, four, five good activities out of it before it really starts、mm-hmm. to repeat things, and、mm-hmm. that's really useful as well because it gives me ideas, something to work with. But it also、mm-hmm. is something that I can say, oh well, that idea doesn't work great for this concept, but maybe later、mm-hmm. when I'm teaching、mm-hmm. this other thing that I know comes up in December in my class. I can、mm-hmm. use it then.、Mm-hmm. So I, I have、mm-hmm. a whole、yeah. backlog of ideas it has come up with that I've never used, but I、mm-hmm. want to use at some point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. it's kind of like a sounding board, a brainstorming partner. Yeah, almost like amplifies your own brainstorming process in a、mm-hmm. way, or just triggers all these thought processes for you. Yeah, right. And a lot of people are scared of it. They're scared of what it can do,、mm-hmm. but thinking of it as that aid. You realize that it's not going to replace teachers, but teachers who know this tool、mm-hmm. are going to replace teachers who do not.、Mm-hmm. That's what's important. It's、mm-hmm. a great way of putting that.
Wow. Let's pause for a moment and reflect. That's a big statement. Teachers who know this tool are going to replace teachers who do not. Yeah, uh -huh. kind of puts the fire under all of our butts. <laughs> mm -hmm, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's nothing new, really. Teachers are always learning about new practices and tools to enhance their teaching. It's just all about that first step, right? And also this idea of ChatGPT as brainstorming partner, generating such a mm. wide variety of ideas, good and bad, in a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. I was watching a webinar recently and the speaker talked about using AI for differentiation. It's often so hard for us as teachers to fully support all of the different needs of our learners, but having that help to just brainstorm how to differentiate by level or maybe special needs, multimodality, so good. Mm -hmm. It just takes the burden of coming up with these ideas off our shoulders. For sure, there's a lot of power in it the power that it has and figure out ways to harness that power mm -hmm. you're like whoa you know it, it is the epitome of like work smarter not mm -hmm. harder like truly mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you know Jeff to your point like it's not going to replace educators people need to know how to use it you can't just ask it for activities for English learners without knowing what are the requirements for your specific group of learners or the objectives that you're looking to get out of the lesson or the activity set you need to feed it that information right you control it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so let's move into sort of the other side Jeff you know what are some of the challenges in using AI in English language teaching specifically? And what are some of the, the ethical considerations that come with it? Yeah, I think the biggest challenge is one that has been mm -hmm. most documented and talked about, which is the idea of plagiarism and how a student can go on to ChatGPT and say, I have to write a four-page paper about World War mm. II. Let, let's hope it's a little more specific than that for a four-page <laughs> yeah. paper. But for example, then it will spit something out very quickly and it will be very detailed. And the broader it is, the more information it's going to have about that topic. Mm. And then that student theoretically can turn in that paper and... Mm. These tools that we've known for a long time, Turnitin, for example, these plagiarism tools, they don't find mm -hmm. it necessarily. Mm -hmm. Now, they have updated these tools to try to check for ChatGPT and other artificial intelligence, but they're not accurate. There have been a lot of instances recently where people have been accused of using ChatGPT and a few very studious people mm -hmm kept all of their drafts and proved that no, they did mm -hmm. not use ChatGPT mm -hmm. to write it, but these tools said they mm -hmm. did. Mm -hmm. So so these are not foolproof by any it's means. Tricky, tricky, yeah. Mm -hmm. It really is. Mm -hmm. But if you look at it as for students, for instance, as a research mm -hmm. tool in the same way we kind of do as teachers, and if you can find a way to incorporate mm -hmm. it, like, go here to do what you would do with Wikipedia before. Hopefully, you didn't go to Wikipedia for all of your research. <laughs> but I certainly, when I was a student, would go to Wikipedia mm -hmm. first and get a kind of general idea yeah. of a topic. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes that would lead me to other resources or other ideas. And this does all of that much quicker and in a much mm -hmm. more focused way. Yeah. 
But on the, the plagiarism side of things, there's this idea that these Turnitin tools and, and other plagiarism checkers, when it comes to chat GPT, it's actually biased against English learners. So like mm-hmm. teachers are starting to say like, oh, you use chat GPT and it's like it's actually just a non-native English mm-hmm. writer. And so that's something that we also have to contend with, I guess. And just as an aside here, this is just one example of the many bias issues in AI. Mm-hmm. We'll have to come back to those in a later episode. Yes. But anyway, regarding bias towards language learners. If you look at the way chat GPT works, if you think about when you're writing on your phone and it predicts the next word that you're going to say, Hope you have, and then it'll say a great day. Chat GPT Mm -hmm. is that. Um, I've heard it described as that on steroids Mm -hmm. because that's essentially what it's doing. So the reason Mm -hmm. why it can be biased against non-native speakers and English language learners is because they tend to know the most used words in a language. Mm -hmm. They don't know these more obscure words. Mm. They know the academic word list. They know the general service list. And they are on those lists because they are the most used words. Mm -hmm. So when Mm. you combine that aspect with this model that is just using literally the most used words about a topic, Mm -hmm. that's why it becomes such a problem. But Mm -hmm. it is also important to point out that you can confound this model as well. The more you ask it to change things, Once Mm -hmm. you start asking it to take some output and put it in a different style, it's Mm -hmm. gone. All of those checkers go out the window. And to me, that brings up this whole ethical consideration. Well, maybe not ethical, but when a student doesn't know how to use the tool properly, you're going to be able to tell pretty quickly if they plagiarize. Like I've been on teacher Twitter and there are just some examples where it's like, yeah, the student didn't even read through it. They didn't even check. They were like, just write an essay on this. And then it was just like, yes, this was written by ChatGPT. We know it even says at the top, like, well, I don't know because I'm an AI, but, you know, like. <laughs> it's been updated since September yeah, 2021. Exactly. It's like, yeah. okay, like, I mean, that's an extreme example, obviously. Yeah. But there's kind of this question for me also of, well, if they're using it to a point where it's creating this really great academic essay or whatever, it doesn't have to be an academic essay, it can be something else, where they're asking it to do things and narrowing it down and getting it to infuse whatever qualities or whatever ideas they want to infuse into it. At some point, I guess there's this question of, well, they're going to be pretty successful humans if they have learned to use this tool to the point where the writing that it reflects is actually really great. So I guess it's a philosophical mm-hmm. question of how our approach to writing changes. And I don't think we should necessarily uh-huh. go down this entire rabbit hole. But for me, it's like that definitely raises mm-hmm. the question of, well, what do we consider an important skill? Mm-hmm. And if they're able to use the critical thinking skills that they need to plagiarize very effectively, well, I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's kind mm-hmm. of a, a line there that we're going to have to keep playing with as we move forward in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm reminded of an email I received recently from a student. He was complaining about something that happened in mm-hmm. class. And this email was very clearly written by ChatGPT. I, I could tell the minute I opened it. Hello, Jeff. I hope you are doing well today. I have a matter of concern I would like to bring up about something that happened in class mm-hmm. today. Like, it just sounded mm-hmm. very much like a robot. 
And instinctually, I wanted to write back and say, write me a real letter. You obviously use this. But I had to step back and think, in this situation, who cares if he used ChatGPT? Mm. He obviously wrote in specific details about the class, about what happened. He wrote mm -hmm. in all of the important information. He just used AI mm -hmm. to format it in a more professional way. Right. It's a template anyway. The way you write mm -hmm. it would have been a template. That's how we write letters. Mm -hmm. So that's how we write emails is like very templated. Yeah. We have a model of what they should look like. Exactly. Yeah. What I would look at then is how does that then apply to something that we're assessing? If it's an email that's coming mm -hmm. in, that's different from something that's going to be assessed. So with the instructors in my program, we've talked a lot about this and I really tell them to put the emphasis back on the pre-writing strategies that we go through. Mm -hmm. The emphasis mm -hmm. is not on the final end product. It shouldn't mm -hmm. be 10% of your grade is your outline and 90% is your final paper. It should be the other way around. 10% mm -hmm. should be your final paper mm -hmm. and everything else is the process leading up to that. This is particularly mm -hmm. true for English language learners, mm -hmm. but I think even for content level classes that aren't just language, there's got to be some other emphasis put in there. It does put more onus on the instructor, though, to keep in mind that I can't just have them turn in a paper at the end and I'll grade them all in the week before I turn in final grades, which as we all know, that's the way it tends mm. to go. So at some point, I think academia is going to have to shift back toward the writing process, brainstorming and outlining mm -hmm. and drafts and building ideas paragraph by paragraph. If you do it that way, it's much harder to get AI to do it for you. You, you can get it to help you every single step along the way. Mm -hmm. But when you're breaking it down that way, the students are still learning. They're still learning about each of those steps. Mm -hmm. Whereas if they're just turning in something at the end of the semester, they're not learning those individual steps. This reminds me of the talk that Dr. Amin Davoudi gave at Elicon this September. He gave a great example of a writing assignment that intentionally integrates AI in the writing process step by step. It was a great way to get students to think critically about AI and engage fully in the writing process, all while avoiding plagiarism. So good. You can see a video of Dr. Davoudi's plenary at Ellie's YouTube channel, along with other videos from EllieCon 2023. That's Ellie for Teachers, E-L-L-I-I, -I, formerly called ESL Library. You can find the link in the show notes. So beyond using AI for generating lesson ideas and student writing, we want to know more about how AI can be used for personalized learning. So in terms of like personalizing learning or developing critical thinking skills or whatever you can think of, what are some ways that you've used AI for students? Yeah, so I focused a lot on how I can use this with the four language skills, reading, writing, mm -hmm. listening, and speaking. And for those, it's excellent practice. So for example, if I'm having students read something like a longer text, I still want them to read it, of course, but if they're worried about it, they don't think that they've gotten the main idea, the concepts that are important, they can run it through ChatGPT and have it write them a synopsis. And this is where you get into assessment versus practice. You know, all of these things we can do as instructors as well. We can run a New York Times article through there and have it write a synopsis and have it write mm. uh, comprehension questions and create a vocabulary list. 
but you can also have students do the same thing. They can have it write comprehension questions for them whenever they're about to read something. And these more studious people、mm. will do that. I, I know when I learn another language, I always like reading in whatever language I'm learning. But unless I'm reading from a specific textbook. I don't have comprehension questions. I don't have headers. I don't have a vocab list.、Mm -hmm. I don't have anything like、mm -hmm. that. So if they learn to use that as a tool, I think it can be very useful.、Mm -hmm. You can use it to do role play scenarios. So if students are learning a language,、mm -hmm. it works best with English. You can do it in any language, but it's just going to be translating it basically the way Google Translate would. But you can say, "I want to role play a scenario where." I'm in a cafeteria, and I don't know. There are no eggs left in the morning for my breakfast,、mm -hmm. so I want to talk with someone about this. And it will play whichever side you want. It's going to play the lunch lady, <laughs> if you will, and you、mm -hmm. can actually get it to do a dialogue with you back and forth. And when Jeff spoke with us, the only way to have a dialogue with ChatGPT was through writing, but now ChatGPT will actually talk、mm. back at you. Some great. Listening and speaking practice there. Talk about hitting those four skills. The key is just learning how to prompt it to do these things. And even I had a lot of trouble with that in the beginning. I got it to do it once, and then I was holding a webinar for my instructors. I could not get it to do it on that webinar. It kept just. <laughs> oh no! Yes, it's flaky. It kept、yeah. giving me a dialogue, <laughs> so it knew what I was asking, but it would give me, you know, three pages of text as as the dialogue rather than an actual、um, interactive role play. And so it is sort of like that. It can be that flaky, you know. It could have just been like one or two words that were different in your sample for the teachers and the one that you had done beforehand, right? And it gives you something entirely、mm -hmm. different.、Um, yeah. So yeah, we want to save those prompts yeah. too. Yeah. So if we're trying to <laughs> teach them how to use the tool, really getting that wording is a big challenge. And so it, it's, I guess, teaching them the patience to get to that place too. Yeah, teaching them the patience is important. Also, just making prompting part of your not necessarily an outcome, but for the objectives that you're teaching,、mm -hmm. you can incorporate prompting、mm -hmm. into that so that they know how to get AI tools to help them practice this if they want it. In other words, prompt engineering is an essential skill both for teachers and learners. One that we'll likely need to keep honing as generative AI continues to advance. Absolutely, Anna. I've been experimenting with ChatGPT in some fun ways here in Bangladesh too.、Ooh. Recently, in one of my writing classes, one of my students was really eager for me to give her feedback on her grammar, but、mm -hmm. we're working on revision strategy and not quite ready for that level of editing. So I showed my students how they could get ChatGPT to look at their writing samples and tell them what grammatical structures they should practice more. Now note. I didn't tell them to have ChatGPT fix their grammar, but、mm -hmm. instead provide feedback a teacher might give to them.、Uh, so really, the key there was getting the prompt right.、Mm -hmm. What feedback a teacher would give. Right, and then from there we made it into a class discussion where students shared areas for improvement, grammar points that they need to pay special attention to in their next piece. It was really great. Nice. Yeah. Nice. You integrated it into the course rather than letting students use ChatGPT、mm -hmm. willy nilly. <laughs> that's dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, that's very dangerous.、Uh -huh. 
I imagine you supported students in understanding the grammar necessary for particular types of writing you、mm -hmm. do with them. You know, later on, once you got to that、mm -hmm. stage. But that ChatGPT piece gives them the opportunity to practice outside of class time if they want to. Right. We need to get students to think of ChatGPT as their personal learning aids too. It's all about mindset. How can we make ChatGPT work for us? Yeah, I think that it's like it's really about cultivating a mindset about how to use、mm -hmm. it, though, right? I was speaking with a teacher the other day, and she said, "Well, why am I going to take the time to learn how to prompt ChatGPT to give me content when I can just use that time to create the content myself?" And I was like, "Oh, but like, it's exponentially more powerful than you are. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, you gotta, you just gotta、mm -hmm. get with it, or you're gonna be blown over by it. It's just the reality. Exactly. Yeah, we're not at that point of should we use it. We're at the point of how we use it. Yeah, that's、exactly. a good way of putting it. It may be true that I can come up with individual activities or individual tasks. I know." The focus of it more, but、mm -hmm. again, it comes back to that first step, those first ideas. Yes, I can create a、mm -hmm. rubric better than that, but、yeah. the entirety of all of that information out there can create a very good, very fast rubric that is formatted for me, and I can tell it how、mm -hmm. many points I want, generally、mm -hmm. what my criteria are, and then I can edit it, and I can do all of that in twenty minutes as opposed to four hours.、Uh -huh. Yeah, and it's just like the comprehensive nature of it. You know, when you sit down to brainstorm or think about a rubric, you're maybe gonna forget some things because you're human, and so you can know what you want. But there might be other things that you're just not—they're not in your line of sight. So these tools can really serve to say, like, "Hey, Shay, you forgot about this point. Like, is this something you might want to use too?" And you're like, "Oh, yeah." So we have rubric creation. We have developing a curriculum. We have creating individual activities at the classroom level, and then teaching how to use chatbots to students. And Jeff even mentioned using it to create a travel itinerary for visiting a city for the first time. That's pretty cool. Great、mm -hmm. time saver. Mm -hmm. But back to teaching.、And、Jeff, you've、uh, you've kind of talked to us a bit about this already, but you know, sort of as like I guess a, a culminating piece. How do you see AI changing the way that English language teachers teach and learners learn? Yeah, I think it's really going to be about using it as a bridge between sessions.、Mm. You'll still have classroom time. It's another tool you can use to bridge those sessions, to bridge those meetings,、mm -hmm. so that students are practicing their learning. And I think it's just a much more efficient and interactive way of doing that. I, I think we all. Have appreciated an online、mm. quiz where we read something and we answer questions online, and we have immediate、mm -hmm. feedback about that. That's very useful as a、mm -hmm. learner, but that requires instructors to go on and code all of that information、mm -hmm. in, and that takes a long time. And they do it once, and they use it sometimes for years and years. And now it becomes so、mm -hmm. personalized, and you get that feedback so quickly and. It's based on your interests and whatever you're reading or you're listening to or you're researching.、Mm -hmm. It's not going to replace those class sessions. It's not going to replace those teachers, but it's going to、mm -hmm. make those lessons so、yeah. much more efficient.、Yeah. So let's assume that all of our listeners are on board. They're ready. Where do they start? What are some resources that they can use to educate themselves, sort of at that initial starting place? 
Yeah. The first thing I would caution people about is to not fall victim to these chat GPT courses that are available <laughs> right now online. I don't think it is necessary for you to spend thousands of dollars or even hundreds of dollars just to learn this. Mm -hmm. You can find initial prompts online. You can find ideas. If you have LinkedIn and you start following some people on there, I see this information constantly hmm. about new ways of using this and new things you can use. Don't fall for those courses. You don't mm -hmm. need those courses. Yeah, just experiment and play. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So where I've told our instructors to really start using it is with those interactive ideas. Figure out your lesson, what you're going to do, put it in and ask it, you know, what are some ideas of activities I can mm -hmm. do for this? And then it does all the work for you. I've always viewed great teaching as great theater. Mm -hmm. It's a way to entertain the students while they're learning. And it's a way to turn some of those more mundane, what, what may even be lecture-based courses, to change those into interactive activities where they are using the content in uh, a real way. I love that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I think English language teachers, we are pretty good at just being, well, let's do this like exciting activity. And they're very creative, but you can mm -hmm. sort of bootstrap into that creativity on a day that you're tired, on a day that you don't really have yeah. the time to knock it out of the park just by yourself, you know, mm -hmm. like to create mm -hmm. that lesson that you're like, wow, this is going to be a memorable, entertaining piece of theater. Mm -hmm. And just to support you in that and other teachers outside of English language teaching who aren't used to doing that, who aren't trained to constantly yeah. be creating like these student-centered activities you know that's that's wonderful right i think that it also is an equalizer in some ways mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. even though english teachers and tesol professionals are taught this it can often be a, a young person's game before we have kids before yeah. we we have partners mm -hmm. before we have all of these other requirements mm -hmm. and and expectations in our lives it's easy to devote four hours to planning your lesson and uh -huh. making those pages and those flashcards and ripping the pieces of paper, mm -hmm. you know, but eventually people can't do that anymore. So even when they do know how to do it, they often can't. They just mm -hmm. don't have the time for mm -hmm. that anymore. Yeah. And I've seen it regenerate that and yeah. revive people like, oh, you know, yes, I kind of remember when I used to mm -hmm. do this, but... Yeah. You know, I've been teaching the same thing for seven years now. So I just use the same stuff every semester. Mm -hmm. And mm. now it gives them a chance to do that again and to see what that really feels like in a classroom. Yeah. Brings your teaching alive. Mm. Chat GPT brings your teaching alive. And it brings your <laughs> podcast episodes alive. Oh. <laughs> I used it to help me trim down parts of the interview transcript to make the episode more succinct. Mm. It wasn't perfect, but it helped me think through a few points more thoroughly. Awesome. Really smart. Great use of chat GPT. <laughs> Generative AI is just so powerful and it's just the beginning. There are so many ways for us to experiment with it. So true. So listeners, we want to hear from you. How have you used AI applications in your classroom? Are you addicted or still hesitant to try it out? We want to feature your voice on our upcoming Friends of the Podcast episode. Find our full list of questions on our social media or in the show notes and record your answer in a voice memo on WhatsApp at bit.ly slash pod underscore friends 
or by sending us an audio clip at teacherthinkaloud at gmail.com. This is your opportunity to share your experience and take part in our community of practice. As always, thanks for joining us on the Teacher Think Aloud podcast. And until next time, happy teaching and happy reflecting.